So I'm just waiting for Dan to install the app and we're going to start talking. We've been chatting a long time about doing a daily sort of podcast and looks like it's finally going to happen today. We'll see what happens. So my name's James Hopkins, skaters call me Hop, and I'm about to have Dan Pape from The Collabo Show, which is a new podcast on J1, a live Japanese radio station, and we're using a new app to record this podcast called Anchor, and during the editing process I lost the beginning of this podcast, I'm sorry, sorry Dan, but we're just picking up Dan now, where we're just talking about his new J1 podcast. Enjoy the show. He takes that uh, he takes that recording into his studio and he um, makes magic of it. You know, it's really he's really good at what he does and and he's somehow to make me sound super intelligent. <laughs> it is quite good. I have actually while I was waiting for him, I was perusing music I could add to the start of this podcast because I felt quite jealous of all the great music that Joey puts on uh, your podcast. So I'm going to try yes. and get the Beastie Boys. So the on. J, oh, that's a great pick. Yeah, the J1, <laughs> the J1 Japan crew, which I'm now a part of, it has, is, it was part of a record pool for close to 30 years. So when he was living in LA, he had about 120 records sent to him every month for the course of a very long period. And so he's got all of that, um, all, all that stuff, you know, because he was a radio DJ in LA. So, mm. the, so they wanted him to play that, but that's, that's a whole other story. So yeah. So yeah, the Dan Pape show will be, or sorry, I should say the collabo show. It used to be called the Dan Pape show, but I didn't like the, I didn't really like calling it after me. So I changed it to the collabo show, which is, which we'll talk more about in the in in the uh, actual podcast. Yeah, so it's the Collabo show with Dan Pape, or just the Collabo show? Do you think? Uh, I'm not too sure. Right now, we're set on the Collabo show. Yeah, I like that. And um, and yeah, so because Collabo has a whole, you can go to my website and check out what Collabo means to me. And it was an honor to be a part of a a team back in the day and, and to put that team together, but it's, it's more than just skateboarding collabo. It's a, it's just about helping others really. And that's danpape.org. So D A N P A P E. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some uh, good articles in there. You're starting to website out a little bit. Yeah. I just kind of post whatever comes to, comes to mind. I don't really have a, I have, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I do have some big projects that I want to accomplish, but I think um, it's just take, you know, just take one post at a time. And like, um, you know, like Seth Godin says, you know, just, just get content out and just do the best you can. And don't worry about it being uh, perfected all the time, because every time you, you worry so much about perfection, then you're never going to get anything out, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, that's sort of why I wanted to do this podcast on the anchor platform that it's, they allow you to do something quick and easy and to focus on the content and not on the quality. And 
get something out every day or not every day, but quickly. And yeah. I suppose that sort of lends itself more to sort of current events or, you know, what's happening in the world escape. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good, it's a good uh, theme to go with, you know, skateboarding is, it means uh, it's, it has a different definition for a lot of people around the world. And I think, um, you know, the type of skateboarding that we do is, is sort of um, always sort of remains underground, which I think is kind of strange, but I guess, Mm. you know, the machine is pushing different types of skateboarding. So we just got to make sure that we, we, uh, you know, not we, but uh, skateboarders that are challenging different styles of skateboarding are, are sort of rewarded for the the stuff that they do because it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Mm. So I suppose if we're going to talk current events and news, we can't really escape, you know, the, the tragedy in Rio on the weekend, which was a Brazilian, young Brazilian skater died at a IDF World Cup event. Yeah. Yeah. It just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, I was sitting there with my, sitting in, in my living room this morning with my son. And, um, you know, he went to school a little bit later today. He has a little injury there. And and I was just kind of just sitting there and just wondering, like, why I didn't even, am I pronouncing his name right? Is it Allison? Yeah. Okay. Pasana? Yeah. What is it? I thought, it, I mean, phonetically, it looks like Allison, but I just definitely don't want to pronounce his name incorrectly. Mm. so i was sitting there and and i never i never met him and um but i but i was trying to understand why i had this profound sadness and i think it's because um the difference between a closed road and an open road closed road meaning vehicles aren't allowed on it versus an open road which is you know kind of gorilla skating at your own risk taking lots of lots of risks uh, coming down the hill there with oncoming vehicles and stuff like that. I think, I think why, it, why it's upset me, even though I've never met this young skater is, you know, we, we, when we get the green light to go down the hill, uh, back in the day when I used to race, it, we had full confidence in the organizers that we were, just going balls out as fast as we could around those corners as fast as we could. And, and people have a tendency to do that even on, on open roads, but um, uh, open mean, I guess, illegally sanctioned roads or roads where you're not supposed to be skating on, but it's not quite the same feeling with that whole, you know, putting your faith in other people to, to race down that hill, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like, it's just really heartbreaking to hear, you know. That's uh, I guess that's all I gotta say about that. I mean, I could. He's so young. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, when would you you would have been racing around the age of eighteen, nineteen? No, I didn't start racing until I was around twenty six or something like that. Maybe around twenty six years old. But can you imagine? I mean, we all we've all skated very fast. We've all put ourselves in precarious positions life is so fragile i mean can you imagine your life 
you know, ending so quickly. Just the loss of potential. Like if you were 18, everything that you've that you've accomplished so far in your life would be gone. Yeah, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Like it would never have happened. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really unfortunate that we we're starting this skate everyday podcast with such a a downer of a subject. But I mean, if if that's if that's what we're going with is just sort of random talks about different things that are happening in the world of skateboarding, then then you can't escape can't no. escape that you can't get away from it. So, and um, in a way, ignoring it would be sort of almost dishonoring his sort of legacy or you know him as a skater or whatever you can't it is the biggest in our sport in longboarding downhill it's the biggest news that will be probably until the end of the year I mean this will affect a lot of things in a way one of the reasons I chose the Beastie Boys song and I don't know if I'll put it at the beginning of this podcast but was you know when MCA died you know, everyone grew up in the 80s with the Beastie Boys and it it really felt like when your musical heroes pass away or get cancer and die, that there's that loss of innocence. And I really feel that maybe downhill this week has lost its innocence that, you know, where the sport's going to have to grow up really quick. It's either this is either going to break the sport or make the sport. Yeah, I I was thinking, I immediately went into father mode and thinking about like if my son was downhill skateboarding in an event, I I almost feel like like after this this tragedy that they shouldn't even be the races shouldn't even be on roads that that cars are allowed on like it should be kind of limited to um ski hills where there's uh lifts or gondolas um you know that kind of thing and or or like there's maybe maybe like a parks board in certain regions of certain regions of the world can designate a certain area of land for downhill skateboarding and 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 some parts you know maybe a maybe a um a mountain bike uh, track race track or like a downhill mountain bike track could be part of the, you know, like an extreme sports world space where people can, can, you know, skate as fast as they want and never have that mm. feeling of, of, uh, of, you know, there's a, there might be a car in the track, that kind of thing, which, which I think will potentially could piss off a lot of downhill skateboarders because there's just unlimited, hills all over the world that are just so fun to skate mm. but but i think people one of the reasons why it's never really gotten over that hump is because it's always illegal to be skating down well i shouldn't say always i mean some parts of the world i think it's okay but mm. most parts of the world and especially japan where i live uh i get away with it because i'm six foot four 200 pounds crazy gaijin which is which is uh <laughs> rough which is uh which means foreigner in japan um i can yeah Japan. what's that 
I said Dan lives in Japan. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know. Yeah, for anybody listening who doesn't know, I live in Japan and I skate almost every day. Um, and I use my my board as my bicycle. I mean, I'm. If you check out my Instagram, you'll you'll every tenth post you'll see a skateboard. It's because I literally skate almost every day. I don't do downhill like I used to back in British Columbia with the coast longboarding, coast longboarding guys. Um, but occasionally I get out for some fast, for some slightly faster runs, that kind of thing. But but if he tried to do a race here in um, uh, in Japan around this time last year, uh, Red Bull put on a race here, and I think it was a. It was relatively small. It was a invitation only type of race, which was really mm-hmm. disappointing. But uh, for a lot of racers all over the world that wanted to go, but um, yeah, that was that was they closed down the entire road for the day, and I think there was only one shuttle allowed on the entire road that that day. I don't, I, don't, I wasn't there, so I don't really know, which is a, a point of contention. But let's leave it at that. Mm. Well, I think you know one of my points of the sport losing its innocence this week is I think Felix from Big Mountain Gate made a good point which was on Facebook on his Facebook post which was there's always a chance of something going wrong you can't get rid of you can't make something 100% safe and I understand what you're saying about you know creating like extreme sport hills whatever but then you'll have trees just like in skiing, you know, that uh, sometimes someone comes off a ski track and hits a tree. So you can't just go and chop down all the trees, can you? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, why everybody is all up in arms on Facebook. And there's, a you know, a lot of fighting happening on who's to blame and stuff like that. Because if you hit a tree, I mean, what are you going to do with the tree? You can cut it down or whatever, but you can't really cut down a person if, if they made a mistake like that. So mm. um, I think it's human nature for people to look look for answers in, in such a such a hard time but um i mean i agree with everything that everyone's saying online in some way that it, we can always do better you know no organization no you know sanctioning organization like idf no race organizer you know i think what's really come out this week is how many race organizers have said how many close calls they've had. And as I was speaking to Haggy this week, yeah. and he was an ex-president of uh, ASRA, and I've done most of my events with Haggy, and um, you know we've sort of had a bit of a partnership doing events, and you know he's, he just said, you know, have we just been lucky? You know, you could easily get unlucky, and a tragic event could happen. So, well, yeah, I, and I agree with I agree with that. I mean, it's um, go back to the the early days of downhill skateboarding. Uh, mm. Who what was the name of that uh, old sanctioning body before IGSA? Oh, the yeah. That was oh, had three letters, didn't it? G. I'm thinking G. I'm, G. Yes, I know. I'm so sorry. I should know this, but G. Yeah, yeah. it was like a, the gravity sport. Yeah, gravity. It was like, yes, I. Lee, Lee Danzi and Jimmy Jimmy One Eye, G. 
Jimmy One Eye yes. Flint and um, uh, uh, all those all those sort of innovators of the sport, the guys that really set it off. I mean, I think even before them, there was probably even uh, you know, if I if I were if I had a chance to research it a little bit better, then I'd I'd find all this stuff in a heartbeat. But since we're since we're talking right now about it, I think like um, the if you look at those days. Um, and like you think about it when it started, uh, like, let's just say it started in the mid eighties, just for rough estimate. I'm sure it started before that. Um, you look at the time frame, right? That's 85, 95, like almost 30 years, right? 30 years of, of downhill, probably more. And there's been some, some injuries and people getting hurt and, uh, people being airlifted, airlifted away from, from uh, races and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think how many races have actually happened and how little, how few people have died in the races. Mm. I think skaters are getting faster. I think the technology has brought skaters together a lot more. Yeah, you know, when, that's right. When I was speaking to Chiago, he made the point of, you know, when Kevin was having his run of being unbeaten, he was the really the only one on high rebound wheels because he was riding prototype Powell downhill wheels. But now there's four or five manufacturers and the top probably 20 skaters in the world now are all on high rebound fast wheels that's just brought them all in a little bit closer so i'm not yeah i think you're right i mean i'll I'll probably uh, i'll have to stick up for kevin a little bit here because um i think to say that the reason he won all those races was because of his wheels um you think that's part partly that was definitely helpful in him winning the races but um i think his skill is what got him on the podium Oh, yeah. I'm just saying bringing that the races were like a little bit further apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think maybe the technology with trucks and wheels and uh, leather suits, a lot of the the riders are looking for more and, you know, trying to eat, trying to get faster and faster, which is bringing them closer and closer in as a pack. Yeah. And not spread out as much anymore i don't know maybe yeah that's right i mean i think uh, i think the thing that separated the the men from the boys or the champions from the non-champions um was was that tuck you know the well i remember specifically when i used to do runs with uh with like the coast longboarding crew down cypress mountain and seymour mountain road uh we'd all start off in a pack and we'd get into our tucks and uh, for the first thirty percent of the of the hill, I'd be uh, neck and neck with these guys. I mean, there's always a few guys that pulled ahead because their tuck was so streamlined. But I couldn't hold my tuck for as long as they could, so I was almost never with them at the end of the hill. You know, I was almost I'd be lucky if I could keep up with them for half the hill because my, I didn't have the stamina to to hold that tuck like they did and now i think every downhill skateboarder uh that's within the top 20 
it, it's not necessarily um, their. I mean, it could. It's part. It is their skill that gets them on that podium or gets them that win. But sometimes it's just a little bit of luck, right? And in this case, it's in the case of um, Allison in uh, Brazil. There is just like he was. I'm assuming he was the fastest. Um, and so he was in the front and so in, it's just like a real, a real, like, just, just, like, just uh, wrenches the heart to think that somebody that yeah, was, it's a, it's a tragedy on, it's a tragedy on so many levels because he has been so fast at home. He's a young kid with so much potential. He was the protege of Carlos. Yes. Is a multiple world champion and one of the, greatest skaters in our uh, era sort of thing in the current era. Yes. He, you know, his next step would have been traveling the world and winning races. So, you know, and even Thiago in my interview on my podcast said that he was looking forward to racing him at Rio because he felt that he'd heard so much about this skater and how much potential and, you know, Thiago wanted to, test himself you know was Thiago one of the one of the injured riders no so Thiago was the fastest fastest qualifier for that event so he was in the a bracket so he him and Josh Evans were already had already run so they were in a bracket and so who was in that injured was uh, Daniel Engel Jan and Pepe. Jan and Pepe are from Brazil. Oh, so it was pretty much all Brazil. It was a pretty much a Brazilian, all Brazilian yeah. heat. Yeah, and that's what that tends to happen in races in Brazil. There's so much talent in Brazil. Yes, that they, you know, they tend to be dominate that top ten of any Brazilian race. But how scary is that for some of the other riders like Thiago? that if he wasn't the top qualifier, that could have been him going around that corner in semi-final B. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's un- unbelievable, really. What do you, I mean, what, what, what would you like to see come out of it? Obviously, there will be changes in the sport and there will be, well, have you got any thoughts of what you, would like to see happen the thing is is canadian races which is you know i did a few i did some racing in the u.s but most of the races that i attended were in canada and the organizers weren't perfect but they did a pretty stand-up job i think i think canadian and the u.s races were pretty on point when it came to safety i mean i i never heard of like when i heard the news i thought it was a uh, some guys doing gorilla runs down a hill you know i thought mm-hmm. it was and then i heard it was a, a closed road closed racing road out of actual sanctioned race i was kind of shocked because or really shocked i should say because i didn't really never really fathomed something like that would even happen in downhill skateboarding mm-hmm. It really is a freak. It's a freak. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know 
it was definitely an accident, but the, you know, the people with their pitchforks out trying to get somebody, trying to find somebody responsible, does it come down to one person or does it come down to a group? Like what it, what? I think, I think it's in the hands of the Brazilian authorities and they will probably do an investigation and, you know, there'll be uh, probably those, you know, the recriminations and I suppose then the changes within the IDF organization and so forth will flow through. Yeah. I think, right. I mean, I, I mean, I could say a lot of things I know as a race organizer and doing an IDF race, you, you do feel, Oh, and also be doing a sanctioned race. So I always feel that, you know, I'm being paid by the skaters. So I do feel like a lot of responsibility to get, a lot of skating in that they get value for money, that they are my customer, that, you know, these people have paid me money and we're putting on a race. It's not just for me to put on a world cup race. It's also about the skaters enjoying, you know, getting as many runs at the hill. If you start having accidents and ambulances on track or changing the track, you start running out of time. And when you have skaters, you know, going, come on, when am I going to have a shot at the hill? I suppose you start to rush and, you know, mistakes can happen. So, well, let's, let's list off the races that, you know, off the top of your head that, that involve careless and no vehicles. Can you, so there's one in Kelowna, I believe, right? That's more of a free ride. Kelowna, yeah. Kelowna BC. Is it Kelowna BC? It's in the, yeah. it's in the BC interior. Yeah, there's that one in Big Mountain Skate. Is that chairless too? Yeah. So that's that's two two runs. Two. Um, I mean, I think the I think rather than try to host um, an IDF race in every country in the world, why don't why don't they focus on really pumping up the ones that are hundred percent certified you know certified meaning there's the only risk involved is the skater's risk if they crash there's no other i mean that's my my thinking right now but i mean that might be a little bit of a stretch or or wishful thinking but at, at some point um i think we could get support from these uh property owners that own these ski hills and stuff and find out how we can do that more Mm. Or like, why was there why was there a motorcycle on the right on the hill? I, I I don't know the full story, but from what I've been what from what I've heard, the motorcycle was ferrying people, so it was like a transport to take a rider up. Okay, so you do have these issues. We had this issue at um, Mount Kira where see at Newton's we're lucky because we have the track is circular. We only use half the track so we can use the other side of the track to bring skaters up. Uh, So, but in Mount Kira and Wollongong, when we do a race there, it's like one way. So we go, we go down the track and then we have to wait till everyone's down. Then we close to racing and everyone gets you know in vehicles and they get ferried back up to the top so the the issue becomes if you have a skater 
like a junior that's in the junior final and also the senior final, or if you have a skater that's in the opens and also in the uh, masters race. And that was what happened at Vista, which was someone was in the open category. And because they run all the finals at the same time, the masters, the open, you need to get those skaters back to the top of the hill that are in more than one race. Okay. So we've had cases of uh, like at Newton's last, at this year, we had DeLua who was in the masters and the open. So he finished the open and then we needed to get him in a car and race him around so he could start, you know, so he could race in the masters race. So, you... so I think, I mean, one, would you agree that one solution, I mean, I'm not saying this is the detrimental factor involved, but why do, why do racers have to enter masters and open? Like, isn't, isn't just open enough or just masters enough? Yeah. Well, yeah, it, that is a, con- it's a contentious issue. So there's for and against it. Well, yeah, I guess that doesn't really work actually. Now that I, after I said it, I thought that doesn't really work. Cause then you have somebody like Emily Pross who yeah. would, who would, who has the option to enter the open or the women's. And so, mm. yeah, it's not an easy, it's not an easy, I mean, I, I don't think this particular podcast is going to, is going to be, is going to be a a solution based podcast. I mean, I think what's, I think what's important now is that we honor this, this young, this young rider and, yeah, and and maybe um, maybe you can put a link somewhere in your descri- in the description of this podcast for. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure a GoFundMe page or a a um, crowdfunding campaign will will be started to help the the family. Mm. Um, you know, with uh, the costs involved with uh, funerals and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so maybe we can just help by, by making sure that this, this podcast is spread in order to, to, um, yeah, to to help the family somehow, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, And I think also that it's important that, you know, IDF isn't a one person organization, it's riders organizing riders. So it's not a personal thing it's not a company it's actually the uh, you know races organizing themselves to create a federation and you know we are the the change we want to be i suppose so we should uh we shouldn't fight amongst each other we shouldn't do blames but we shouldn't also duck anything that is glaringly obvious and should always be improving so i think a lot of people have been saying that that you know we should uh be careful of what we say and we should be constructive i suppose yeah and and that's basically what i said um uh on the idf the international downhill federation thread here on the subject i said can you guys chill for a bit it's not very classy to be debating who's at fault when so many people are in mourning. Yeah. Jeesh hasn't even been one day and the pitchfork, pitchforks are out. 
More importantly, is that downhillers stick together during this difficult time rather than causing way more pain that clearly isn't needed at this time. Rest in And I think it's, there's no better way to honor, you know, a, a fallen skater than to use, you know, that event, that tragic circumstances to make positive change. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, ultimately we can't bring him back. It's an absolute tragedy, but we can use it to improve ourselves and to, you know, push the forward, push the sport, you know, to have a better safety record. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, yeah, it's hard to, it's, it's, it is really hard to make sense of anything at this time, you know, it's just too soon. But since, since we, Hopefully, the next time we chat, it'll be more of a positive and uplifting conversation. Maybe we can update update the people on what's happening, and uh, Mm. maybe maybe rehash the subject briefly next. This uh, uh, rehash the subject maybe next week, and and find out what what's being done to help the situation. You know. Yeah. Thanks for chatting. No problem. Mr. Dan Pape.org. I guess you gotta get find it. out everything Dan's up to. And yeah, we're gonna make this a regular thing. Well don't know how often we'll get around to doing it, but if it's something that's easy, I mean I said we'd chat for five, ten minutes and it's been over thirty minutes. So yeah, I mean maybe have... maybe we could um uh break it into two parts or maybe we can uh, make it skate every week. <laughs> yeah, skate every week. <laughs> doesn't have the same ring though dan yeah that's true that's true <laughs> it's got the you know the double meaning yeah well i mean i um i guess i i guess i need to see pictures of you skating every day if we're going to call it skate every day okay <laughs> i'll get onto that on my uh my instagram story yeah there you go all right well you have yourself a good day there james yeah. and uh let's let's catch up uh on a more positive subject next time and uh yeah yeah We'll catch up soon. Okay, buddy. Right up. Talk to you later. Yeah. That's the podcast, Skate Every Day. It's a daily podcast that I'm going to try and put together. If you want to be involved, I will have a blog post on the hopkin.com.au website with how to do the Anchor app and let me know. And I'll add you in when we're going to do some recording and we can chat or go to the anchor app and leave a message for us thanks talk to you tomorrow